back, welcome back, welcome back. I'm Hammer, and you're watching Happening Now with Hammer. Today it's going to be an interesting show. You guys know Troy. He's in the, that thing called real estate business, and he's extremely good at it. And he's going to educate us, at least try to. I'm going to try to figure it out. Troy, what are you going to tell us today? Well, when you put the word educate and Troy in the same sentence, I already spazzed, I'm spazzed out. I, you know, <laughs> you know actually, uh, I've been doing this with you for some time now, Hammer, and I think it's the first time you introduced me. So hi, guys. Yeah, Troy Davis here. But uh, yeah, no, I don't know what you're doing in 1985, 1986, but that's when I was sitting on the beach in Newport, uh, fresh in from the state of Michigan, thinking I wanted to get into investment real estate. That must have been a long swim. It was a long swim. <laughs> <laughs> but I, you know, I, I, what I was doing when I was going to Michigan State University to pay for my education was a lot of work in residential real estate. I'd kind of fix things, so to speak. I was working as a maintenance crew and um, I figured I knew how to fix real estate. So I'd come out to California, buy real estate, live in it, fix it, flip it, and, you know, start my real estate career. So that's kind of what I started back in. Actually, it was, what was that, late 1985. And I started doing some driving around in Southern California and realized I didn't know crap about real estate, certainly not compared to Michigan. Well, not knowing crap about real estate, that's why we're here to make you feel good. We got engineer Mike. What's happening, Mike? Uh, not much. How are you? We're good. We're you're, you know about as much as I do about real estate, don't you, Mike? Yes. So our buddy Troy is going to start with that beautiful thing called investment properties, right, Troy? Well, I think it's a good topic. We've talked about investments here on on your podcast previously. We got into different things like stocks, bonds, and, and cryptocurrency, but real estate has always been that anchor. Uh, wealth builder, so to speak. In fact, I was taught early on in real estate, you can make a really good living selling real estate, but you gain wealth owning real estate. And uh, it's not as easy in Southern California as it would be in other parts of the country. In fact, I own property in Michigan, and I'll get into that a little bit later. But yeah, when you look at investment property, it's all about how you analyze it. Uh, Hammer, you've got property. You, you've been through the process. Oh yeah, I've I've been through the process many 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 times, but you know it always takes and and you've sold me property, Troy. I have. So it, it's one of those things where I need somebody like you that can guide me through. I kind of have the the thought of what I want, but and where I want, but I need the guy like you to show me what's the best deal out there. Yeah, and that's where it gets into analyzing real estate, right? And that's not left for the faint of heart. I mean, you really have to take a good look at what's out there. You know, you can look at a piece of property and you have a gut feeling, you know, this is a really nice class A blue chip property, but it's, you know, $10 million. Can I make money off of that? How do I make money off of that? Do I have to put a loan against it? I'm paying cash for it. So how you analyze property is is done very intricately. There's a couple of ways that I use. One's called a gross rent multiplier, which is a real simple way of analyzing investment property, typically used for single family up to four units. But basically with a gross rent multiplier, you just take as it the name implies the gross rent that you get per year, divide that into what you're paying for the property. It gives you a number, super simple. Say for example, you're buying a $500,000 property, you're making 42,000 a year in rents, you make that division, comes out to what, 9.4, something like that. So you got a 9.4 gross rent multiplier for that building. Real basic, as you noticed, it doesn't account for a lot of expenses and you certainly will have expenses with rental property. So um, to look at that, it's just a good indication. You can look at that. Um, doesn't help a lot. But if you take that same analysis, half a million dollar property, and say your rents are 55000 per year, you make that calculation, you're closer to, I think, probably like 11.5 gross. 
So the higher your gross rent multiplier, the better the property is going to be as an investment uh, uh, venue or, or, or avenue for you to, to make money on that property. And that gets better every year because you owe less on that property every year. It may. Now, that's a, that's another good question. But another good way to analyze property is in a cap rate, a capitalization rate. That's what most people use. You'll see it all in commercial real estate, multifamily property, use a cap rate. Cap rate takes into account all the expenses. You've got utilities, you've got property taxes. You cannot use your mortgage, by the way. If you've got a mortgage against a property, you don't use that as part of your analysis. But a cap rate is just the opposite. The, uh, the higher cap rate you can get, the better you can be. And using the example I was telling you about, uh, Barbara and I owned a property in Costa Mesa, a condo. It was doing fine. We were running positive cash flow, but not a lot. So I bought, sold that one condo and I bought a five-unit building and a duplex in Lansing, Michigan. Again, Lansing because I was a Michigan State graduate. I know that area pretty well. Plus, you've got colleges right there and the state capitals there, you know, thinking about tenant occupancy. So we bought that and I bought all of those cash with that one condo from here. And the gross rent multiple, excuse me, the cap rate here was something like oh, 3.4, 4.5%. My cap rate there is 14%. So cash flow is much better that way. Is there still a lot of that? Like, I mean, there are areas like that in the United States that you, you find very desirable and that people like myself and our, our subscribers and listeners could, you know, really go out there and find those properties or you could help them find those properties? Yeah, good question, Hammer. There's a couple things you want to look for. One are opportunity zones. Uh, the government has special uh, areas throughout the United States that are called opportunity zones. And those zones are such that you get tax breaks as an investor to bring your cash into those areas and improve properties and do a, you know just a really good community service, basically, for those areas. And you can do real well with that. But to take away a big part of your taxing base is, is really beneficial to the investor. Second thing you want to take a look at, uh, at least I do, are where the colleges are at. I mean, do you always want to rent to uh, college students? Not necessarily, but that's one avenue where you can make sure that you pretty much have 100% uh, occupancy rate. Aren't you mostly renting to their parents, though? No, not really. No, uh, no. Uh, that depends on again on on the on the type of property you're buying. Single family houses, typically you've got the parents. When you're in multifamily, you're looking at more of the younger crowd renting those. Um, and again, the other part about investing is you really have to be think thoughtful of what type of property you're buying. Are you buying single family houses, duplexes, four unit? Anytime you're over four unit, you get into five plus. It's typically commercial type property and your different loan types are with that. Higher interest rates typically. But um, you'll see a lot of investors that I've worked with that say, I don't I want nothing but uh, commercial real estate. Why? You don't get calls at 11 o'clock at night saying the toilet is plugged up, you know? So it's, there's a lot of benefit to commercial property in that, especially the triple net lease where you've got the tenant is paying for the taxes, the insurance and the maintenance on the property and they're gone at five o'clock and they're not back until nine in the morning. So there's a lot of benefit to that as well. So when you get that phone call at 11 o'clock at night, do you have to run down to John Wayne and get on a plane and go pump a toilet in Michigan? What are you doing? You know, when I'm looking at any property that is outside of Orange County, I'm looking at what it's going to cost me to have a management company, you know, handle those properties. In Michigan, I have a management company. I went through two or three of them to find a good one, but we now have one and they take care of everything. So I'm hands off. They send me a, a statement every month. Let me know exactly what's going on. Um, but you know, by and large, you know, when you look at your investment portfolios, real estate really needs to be a, a portion of that uh, uh, egg basket of yours. Because if you look at investments over time, really the, you know, the stock market goes up and down and up and down. All sorts of investments are all over the map 
real estate has been historically the number one investment you can make that over time continually increases in value. And another thing you need to think about with investment property is you don't always want to account for appreciation. We here in Southern California, Orange County, especially Newport Beach here, we're like, we've done real well with our uh, appreciation because that's we're in a beautiful place. The weather doesn't change. We're 75 degrees on average every day full of sunshine. But um, that's not always the case. So, uh, well, what about, what, okay, like in Michigan, what's the average size or the average home price? Average home price in Michigan is probably about 180000 175000 And what's it here in Newport? Newport, well, I don't even want to tell I'm, I'm going to save that for later. Okay. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tease you a little bit because I've got some fun stats and I'll see if you guys can guess the answers to those. All right. So I know this has got to be a real uh, interesting question, especially for engineer Mike. Are you still over there, Mike? Yeah, I'm here. All right. First time buyers. What what do we have to know? What's the what's the thing that uh, as as engineer Mike's going to go buy a house, Troy, what is he what's his what's the primary things he needs to know? That's a great question, and it's very difficult here in Orange County, as you well know, because our prices are so incredibly high. In fact, right okay, now- Okay, Mike's going to move to Michigan, okay? Yeah. <laughs> Sellers pay that. Yeah. As a buyer, he's fine. You don't have to pay me a thing, which is the case, by the way. But uh, yeah, our average price in, in uh, Orange County is about 900000 No, I think that's not average. I think that's probably our, our median, which means there are as many houses above- as there are below 900,000, and that's our average. That takes approximately $165,000 per year in income to qualify for. Now, that sounds scary, and that keeps most of our people off the playing field and still on the sidelines, but that shouldn't be the case. The government has a lot of programs. FHA is in full swing. You remember back in 2007 and eight, we had that huge crash we deserve to have that crash. It was ridiculous. Brought upon, by the way, by the lending institutions and the big banks. That had nothing to do with people wanting to live in houses or what the prices of the homes were. It was all about the lending side. I can get into that in a whole other show if you'd like. But uh, ideally, what you you know again, the FHA, you've got three and a half percent down, which is really easy. There are some programs I've heard of zero down, but it's pretty hard to find. There was a big adjustment in the mortgage banking industry when that happened. So we, I mean, you couldn't get a loan for two years, basically. But slowly but surely, the government figured it out. The lenders figured it out. They're starting to loosen up all their criteria. So you don't have to have an 850 FICO score to buy a house anymore. Pretty much you need to have 650 or better, 725 FICO scores to have a decent in, uh, uh, interest rate. 750 and above, you can get whatever you want, basically. So work on your credit as well, and we can talk about that as well. But the loan programs are much better. Like I said, 3.5% down. Uh, you can uh, have gift money. Uh, it's, it's a lot easier than it used to be. But the key to the whole thing is get pre-qualified. Talk to a lender. There's different kinds of lenders. We won't get into that today, but there's a lot of different kinds of lenders. But you talk to them, they'll tell you what you can afford. Or they'll say, you can't afford anything right now because your credit is 625. Here's how you can correct that credit. Here's what we can do to increase your credit. My engineer Mike and I were talking before we went on air about credit, and he's working on his right now. I had to work on mine. You know, it's like credit's a very difficult thing, and it's unfortunate that we get tied down to the fact that if you don't have good credit, you don't get good interest rates. We were talking, wouldn't it be better if the guys who can really afford stuff have the higher interest rates, the guys who can't afford stuff should have the low rates, but it's just the opposite, unfortunately. Oh, well, let's not give the government too many thoughts on that one. <laughs> so let me ask you a question. If 
if I'm a first time buyer and I'm looking at a million dollar property, all right, and it's three and a half percent, how much money is is my payment really going to be? I mean, what's the what, what would it be for me for a million dollar loan after I put down three and a half percent? Well, on a first, yeah, first of all, you're not going to get a loan of a million dollars with three and a half percent down. Uh, mm. There are loan limits that are set again by the the uh, Federal Reserve. Uh, they had just increased actually uh, January 1st of 2021. So in fact, I'm going to show you how old I am. In uh, low cost areas, like if you go inland from here, like into Riverside and the Inland Empire, those are considered low cost areas. The loan limit for FHA and the lower loan limits was 510,000. They just increased that to 548,000. So they increased it about $37,000 to of what you can lend or borrow, I should say, to buy underneath a government program. In high cost areas like here in Orange County and Newport, certainly, we went from 706,000 to 822,000. So a pretty good jump in the loan amount that you can get. So to answer your question, your loan is 822, not a million, where you can still put down three and a half percent. And your payment's gonna be principal interest, and this is a total guess, and somebody's going to do the calculation you know, after watching this blog and th- prove me wrong, but probably somewhere around you know, $3,300 $3, a month, something like that. Well, I mean, that's a typical two-bedroom apartment in Newport Beach. Where do you want to be? What do you want to spend? Come on, man. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. that's uh, the rents in Newport Beach. It makes more sense to buy, I would think. And I mean, look how cool what's happening in Costa Mesa. Um, that whole area is changing and, and it's getting more expensive, but you can be, you know, basically one back from a beach city, you know, 10 minutes from the beach and still get something. And what kind of price range? Yeah, I think your, you know, entry level in the city of Costa Mesa is probably going to be about, uh, 450, 450,000, something like that. You may find something a little bit less for a one bedroom or a little small two bedroom and maybe a little bit older building, but, um, single families in Costa Mesa are going to probably start around 650, 675, give or take. And that's a property you're going to have to do some work on. But again, you're, like you said, Hammer, you're living, you know, six miles from the beach in in a beautiful place of called Orange County. So is it more expensive? Of course it is, but it's still reachable. It's it's obtainable. And a lot of folks are thinking, well, with what's going on right now, our current market is a seller's market. Reason being is because we've got low inventory, our interest rates are below 4%. And we there's been this, you know, held up a demand, pent up demand for real estate. So for the last, I'd say, seven months or so, even with the pandemic, there's been this huge demand for real estate. And oddly enough, you'd think, you know, everybody's like, well, we've got no money. We haven't been to work because of the pandemic. By and large, people have been saving money during the pandemic. They haven't had to drive to work. They're not having fuel costs as much. They're staying at home. They don't have to pay the, you know, business owners don't have to pay these big expenses for buildings or what have you. So a lot of people are saving money, which is also blowing up the uh, home improvement uh, section, by the way. But because of that, People are thinking, well, maybe we should just wait. You know, the new first time buyers you're talking about. Let's just wait. Let's let it cool down a little bit. Let's hang on. Things have got to calm down. Well, they will. But what's going to happen at the same time? Those 3%, 3.5% interest rates are going to go to 4, 4.5, 5. You're probably going to be paying more per month, even though you pay less for the house, by waiting. So waiting is not the right answer right now. Well, I was talking to a friend of ours, Mike Kincaid, and he's a builder here in Newport Beach. Hey, Mike. Um, and he's, he's saying all the new homes that they're building, it's like an extra $30,000 just because what you were talking about, 
in lumber cost. I mean, a, a, a sheet of plywood that used to be 17 bucks is now 70 bucks. It's it is. crazy. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. The, the cost to uh, build is getting higher, which is, of course, what do the builders do? They're not going to eat it. They're going to pass it on to you, the homeowner, home buyer. Uh, so, yeah, that is a big factor. But uh, that that's also part of the equation with all these people doing home improvement. But, you know, it it's worth it. You know, people are doing it. The improvements going on right now, it's like is, is unbelievable. And that part of that equation is when I started real estate in 1986, January of uh, the average length of time that somebody was in their home was seven to 10 years. Now it's, no, excuse me. It was much quicker than that. I'm getting it backwards. It was actually like three to five years, I think it was. But now people are staying in their houses seven, eight, nine, 10, 12 years. They're improving the house instead of selling it. Because the big question is, where am I going to go? If I sell the house and take advantage of today's market, where am I going to go? So that's a big part of our marketplace right now. But one of the big things that happened recently that we all voted for here in California is Prop 19. Before you get into that, yeah. Troy, the big difference, what you just explained to me, is our parents, they never left their home. They, they bought it when they were in their 20s, and they died in that home. So things have changed a lot. Things have really changed a lot, yeah. In fact, it's kind of going back to that. Right. Uh, I'm from Michigan again, and that's nobody sold their house. I mean, you go back today and visit friends and her parents are still in the same house that they bought when they you know, started having kids. And what really moved it up was was that, oh, I would say the 80s, 90s. That's when people just like, OK, let's find another house let's find another house. So you saw a lot of turnover there. But now it's going back to longer term, not lifetime, certainly not in Orange County, but turnover is lower than it used to be. I think we got to talk to one of the producers and somebody that needs to walk over there and wake up engineer Mike. Huh. Hey, Mike, you over there? Yeah, I'm here. All right. You learning anything? Here? I'm listening. Yeah, it's, just, it's it's really interesting. Mike, you were talking about credit, though. You know, you were talking about your credit. Don't yes. tell us what your scores and stuff. But what what obstacles have you seen kind of working into even thinking about buying a house? Well, right now, I'm just in my career. I'm trying to get more consistent income. That's the biggest thing. That's the first priority and investing in my equipment and such. And once I get to that point, then I can really you know, focus on building credit and uh, getting my truck paid off and then getting a credit card that makes sense and you know, make sure you pay it off every every month and such. He's um, more interested in chicks instead of buying a house. Come on, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, that that brings up a good point too. And, and we were talking about that a little bit previously is, is your credit score. And I used to have a, a Nordstrom's credit card that I had in my wallet for a thousand years and I'd use it once every year and a half or something. And I got rid of it and it damaged my credit because that was the oldest credit rating I had on my credit score. So the older credit you have, even if you're not using it, keep it, keep it if at all possible, because even if you're paying for a credit card or it's a free credit card or a department store credit card, keep that. It really helps your credit score to have long-term credit. Like Mike says, that you got short credit. Somebody looks at you and says, you've only had credit for five years, six years. It really hurts you. Um, even if you have established credit, I've just recently refinanced our properties. Most probably everybody in this watching this podcast has because of their interest rates. But as soon as you refinance a mortgage on your house, you get rid of that old mortgage credit history. And my credit dropped 65 points on every single one of those registers. Boom, just went way down. So you got to keep rebuilding it. Over time, it helps. But it, right now, it, it damages credit. Okay. Now, we, we've talked about buying. But what about, let's talk about somebody like me that's had a home for 20, 30 years in Newport Beach. And um, I'm still under Prop 13 and I want to sell. Okay. What what do you recommend to people like that? You know, and and 
you're in one of those positions where a lot of folks are in the uh, Newport, Orange County, and that is equity rich. Uh, again, back in 2007 and 8, 9, 10, a lot of people lost their equity. That's why we had that big foreclosure problem. Uh, and a lot of the loans that were out there were, were just horrible loans and, and they came due and it was just, it was a huge mess. But since then, we, we recovered in about five years after that, six years. We really started on a recovery road as far as home values and equity. So there's a ton of equity out there. So again, that's one of those questions. Okay, if I sell now, Troy, because I can, you know, I've got a ton of equity, I can kind of bear, buy where I want. One of the big sticking points is, well, shoot, I'm going to have to do new property tax. So every time you move and buy a new house, your property tax is going to be based on the new price of that new home. Unwrap so, that sucker. Yeah. So right, you bought at five hundred thousand, but your house is now worth one hundred and one point five million. Uh, you sell and buy a new house, you're going to be paying that new property tax base and where you're paying, what, 3000 a year now, and then you're going to be 12000 a year for your new house. Well, fortunately, Prop 19 was passed recently in our most recent election. As a professional, I touted it, I promoted it, and I think it's a great thing. There's some downside to it as well. But the positive side is Prop 13 replaces Prop 65 and 63. Basically, what those say said were that you could sell a house anywhere in California and take your property, your prop 13 low property tax rate and bring it to your new house. But there has a lot of caveats to it when it was prop 65 and 63 caveats were you could only go to what other, other County in California that would allow it. So you go from orange County to Riverside, they allowed it orange County to Tulane County. They'd allow it. There's only 13 counties in all of California that would allow you to do that. Very limiting. Secondly, you could only do it one time in your life. Thirdly, you had to buy an equal priced house or a lesser value to have it work. That takes a lot of people out of the equation. Say you're selling here and you want to take your vacation house to Palm Springs, you know, that house is going to be more expensive. You couldn't take your tax base with you. So Prop 19 changed that. Prop 19 says that you can now, and this is now uh, in effect as of April 1st, 2021, you can take your property tax base from here in Orange County or anywhere in California and go to any county in California. So the entire state is open to now taking your Prop 13 tax base from your existing house to your new house. Secondly, you can do it up to three times, which is incredible. You can do it, oh, by the way, all this is predicated by being 55 and older. I should have mentioned that right off the top. You have to be 55 years of age or older to be able to take this prop, uh, which you are, right, Hammer? Yeah. So you're covered. So we got you covered. Um, so I you appreciate that. that. What if I want to go to Arizona? You Arizona, know? you cannot do that. You're going to be pay your you're going to pay your capital gains tax. But continuing on with Prop 19, you can also do this if you were not 55 and older, but you're affected by a wildfire, which is a lot of that happening in the state of California. Uh, so you can do that. I think one time uh, with that. But it really, really helps people be able to take that tax base. And now you can also buy a house of higher value than what you sell at. You just have a slight adjustment in that tax base. So the difference between what you sold for and what you buy for, you're taxed on that small amount. Now, the downside of Prop 19, and you always know legislators have to throw some stuff into a bill. And what they shoved in there was, is you can no longer transfer your house, your family home to your children and not have it reassessed. Previously, you could say, oh, hey, kids, you know, love you to death. When we die, you can have the house. And they used to get that house at that same Prop 13 tax base. No longer. If that happens, they reassess the house. The family now has to pay that increased uh, current value of the house tax base. The only difference there is 
That won't happen if the kids live in it as their primary residence. And the same thing happens with grandparents. Grandparents cannot gift grandchildren the property without an increase in tax base unless those grandchildren plan on living in grandma's house. So you can see it's really complicated. I mean, real estate is a complicated deal. I highly recommend you use a professional real estate broker like myself. Uh, I've been doing it for 35 years here in Orange County. Uh, I love it. It's it's very, very gratifying. Uh, use any agent who's good. There are a lot of good agents out there. There's a lot of bad ones. I've worked with a ton of them, as you could imagine. And sometimes you have to carry them across the threshold. But you know, it, it's it's worth getting into. Don't let it scare you. Real estate is a cool thing. So Troy, is that the agency? The agency realty. The agency is another company. They can't, they're up in LA. They well, came I, down, I don't care about them. No, they came, about they, they came down to Orange County. I had to slap them around a little bit. I had to uh, take them to court about the name, and I did, and I won. But, you played uh, a little Michigan with them? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's the Agency Realty. Oh, so is that agencyrealty.com? That's my website. Nice. Yeah. So if you need a new house, you need to sell a house, go to agencyrealty.com dot com and here in Orange County. Yep, you'll find my contact information there. I've got uh, uh, a handful of agents working with my brokerage, just my own brokerage that I own. And, and uh, again, it's it's just super fun. Uh, knowledge is key. You know, you got to have somebody in your corner who knows what's going on. Uh, you know, it, it's just highly, just like you would with your stock investments. You know, yes, you can barter and trade online. You can do your own thing. But if you've got a, a substantial, you know, holding, you want professional help with that. And real estate certainly is a substantial holding. So, hey, Troy, uh, you're on this podcast every week, and I, I love having you here, and that's great. And thank you very much for telling us about that today. And we'll wake uh, Engineer Mike up before we leave, <laughs> so we don't leave him here. But, hey, thanks for watching today, guys. Uh, and listen, leave a comment. Tell us what you like, what you didn't like, um, and subscribe. Do all that fun stuff. We look forward to seeing you next time at Happening Now with Hammer. Hammer.